How's it going? This is Scott Fish. I co-host a podcast called the Commission Impossible Podcast with Ryan McDowell. We don't exactly go over player values or dynasty trades or potential or rankings or mock drafts, and we usually don't even have guests. We just like to talk about commissioner stuff, so that's what you get. You can learn about lots of different scoring systems, uh, interesting rules, settings, how to set up your playoffs, how to determine draft order, how to determine rookie auction values, things like that. Stuff that commissioners might be interested in, like rivalries or rolling bank rolls or salary caps. We also answer commissioner questions. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, check us out. It's a pretty good listen. listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. With me, as always, Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. I'm Dan Myler. We're going to be talking about this combine, guys. It's uh, full swing, all rookies all the time. Um, we're going to do a winners and losers episode, talk about the guys that popped off the screen for all of us. Hopefully all our listeners had a chance to watch as much combine coverage as they could. Some out there were able to attend over there in Indianapolis, though, including one of our own. Ryan, you, you spent a few days in Indianapolis watching these guys hanging out with some of the big wigs around the dynasty industry and in the fantasy industry and, and maybe even the, the football industry. Tell us a little bit about your trip. How was it? Yeah, it was, it was a blast for sure. Uh, as you, as you said, got to meet a lot of people that we get to interact with on Twitter uh, often, but don't meet in person and got to get the chance to do that. Saw a couple of, or saw several players, of course, I uh, walked into my hotel to check in and Jerry Judy was standing right there in the lobby. So that was, uh, that, that was kind of a, a moment that told me what the weekend was going to be like, uh, as, as soon as I, as soon as I got into it. And then on the other end of things, when I was checking out of the hotel, uh, on Saturday, taking my stuff out and there's Jerry Rice standing again, a- almost in the same spot that Jerry Judy was standing. So maybe that's a good representation of, of the beginning and the end of my weekend, beginning and the end of, of these guys' career. It, yeah, it was great. I, I, Dan, I told you, it was kind of weird from a scouting or, or fantasy perspective. Of course, I'm used to watching uh, every every minute of coverage of the Combine every single year and, and trying to get a good feel for these players and uh, risers and fallers and, and all of these uh, things like that that we all do. I didn't get that that feeling uh, or, or maybe not as much information as I might have even if I w- had been sitting in front of my television. I, I got to meet a few players, heard some interviews. We saw the uh, we saw the tight ends and the wide receivers do their on-field performance, uh, their on-field drills. But even then, honestly, we were pretty high up in the in the stadium and uh, it's not like we were down on the field or anything like that so I think that while it was a great experience you probably get more of an idea of uh, who did well and, and maybe who struggled from your couch at home yeah I really felt that way that you know I always come come away from it watching all that coverage or soaking in as much as I possibly can on on, on the tv that I, I it made me feel that way. And when you and I had talked and, and just with what you said there, Ryan, it's kind of one of those situations like, like a football game. Sometimes it's better to watch on TV. You feel like you get all the information. You're not missing anything. Maybe, maybe when you're in Indy, you don't quite pick up on all those things. Probably a pretty good trade though. You had a lot of fun and, and met a lot of really interesting people that we, we sometimes get to talk to on Twitter to do that in person. That sounds awesome. I think I can speak for Matt that we are both jealous that you were able to spend some time over there and take in all of that stuff. So with that, we're going to, we're going to get into the, the combine winners and losers and, 
Before we do that, though, we should quickly mention our three openings in the DLF Listener League and that there's going to be a dispersal auction, and we want we want some really good owners. And for more on that, Matt's got the details. Yeah, like we've been talking about the last several weeks, if you want a chance to compete against the three of us in our Listener League, you can go and claim an orphan team. You're a, probably a dynasty degenerate just like the three of us, and you're probably going to be picking up some teams this off season anyway, so you might as well do it at Safe League Fantasy. So if you go to safeleaguesfantasy.com slash orphans, use our code DYNASTY, you'll get entered into a drawing to be in that listener league with Ryan, Dan, and myself, and uh, you'll get something back from Safe Leagues Fantasy as well. And, of course, Scott Fish is the commissioner of those leagues, so you know you're getting a quality product over there. So if you're going to get one anyway, go to safeleaguesfantasy.com slash orphans, use that code DYNASTY. Yeah, and then of course, let us know. We had a, we had another one this week that uh, grabbed that team over there, and uh, and they're new into the league. That was Aaron Augusta, so I got him in there. Josiah um, Simmons also. I, I, Josiah Simmons was another this week. So let us know that you did it. We'll confirm it, and you'll be in the drawing. So with that, let's let's get into these winners and losers, and we're going to do our best in the time that we have to cover as many of these players as we can the three of us as we watched coverage and and for for one of us i guess as we were in town in indianapolis made as many notes as we could and and grabbed as many of these names if we if we skip on somebody we are going to do really thorough coverage position by position moving forward we'll start doing mock drafts all that stuff is coming up over the next weeks and months but but let's start with these winners guys and we might as well go position by position as we go through these winners and start at quarterback of course no burrow no tua no no the top two guys at least for most people weren't throwing but they're the number three guy for most most that do rookie rankings ryan is justin herbert and if there was a guy that stood out as you watch the coverage or as you were watching these guys throw, it was certainly Herbert. He looked athletic in all the testing, which a lot of us expected, but, but maybe he even outperformed what many of us thought in that Rose bowl game. He was athletic. He had the two rushing touchdowns and he showed that throughout his career, but the numbers he posted, the four, six, eight, 40, the vertical 35 and a half inch vertical. That that's an athletic player for sure. Looked great throwing the ball, very accurate, hit his guys in, stride ball came out of his hand really crisply like I said typically ranked third Ryan among these quarterbacks I was impressed and I've never been the biggest Justin Herbert fan more than anything maybe his moxie on the field he was smiling having fun looked like a leader out there all of those things were impressive to me I think he closed the gap a little bit maybe only slightly but he's a player I don't mind thinking about investing in now especially considering his performance this weekend in Indianapolis yeah, I totally agree. Um, from from what I saw, looked really uh, looked really good all around in in the drills, in throwing the ball, really crisp. I don't know as far as closing the gap. I'm I'm not sure, and I guess that depends. Are we talking NFL draft? Or are we talking dynasty? Of uh, I, I think he probably closed the gap in both of those. I can't imagine uh, any way that he falls out of the top ten now in the NFL draft. Uh, and and you did see him from time to time mocked outside of the top ten prior to the combine. Uh, in fact, there there were some conversations that I was included in trying to decide if we could get four quarterbacks even in the top five of the NFL draft, uh, if that was a possibility with trade ups and things like that. So, just conversations like that with uh, centering around Herbert have to be a good thing for him. So yeah, I, I do think he he helped us stock. And as far as dynasty value, I would I would still probably see him in that early third round range, maybe late second round of typical one quarterback uh, rookie drafts. But again, like you, Dana, I feel a little more comfortable with him. Yeah, more comfortable for sure. And and I think that athletic profile that we talk about here with him. That eases the mind of a lot of us as dynasty owners when you're thinking about that value going forward and, and whether you're willing to invest in a player like that. The the lower floor for those types of players, and while he's no Lamar Jackson, it's it's easy to watch his performance in Indianapolis and see what he did in the Rose Bowl, see what he has done throughout his career at Oregon, and feel like that athletic 
athleticism transfers and and that it will transfer into fantasy points and and at least that low floor for him. So with that, you know, it, I really do feel like he closed the gap at least somewhat. I like what you said there. Maybe the late second that doesn't seem so bad. And in those super flex leagues, I think he really helped himself. There's there's a good chance that that he's way up there. Matt, what are your thoughts? on Herbert and his value going forward. Yeah, I'll, I'll just speak to his dynasty value. And, I mean, I think there's a chance, depending on landing spot, if he does go in that top 10, that maybe he's the 103 in Superflex drafts. You know, maybe he leaves Sproggs, all those running backs and those wide receivers, especially, I think, if he lands with the Chargers at six. Like, I would love to see that. And I think and I think if that happens, then I might even be inclined to move. You know, Also, of course, depending on where, where Tua lands, of course, he's, he's my one right now. Burrow's my two. Uh, I'm, I'm just a little bit suspect always of one-year starters at quarter back. Uh, I know his situation is a little bit different than Mitchell Trubisky when he came into the league, but it's just something about that. Like there's something in the back of my head that I just don't like that one-year starter. So I could see depending on landing spot, like obviously we think Burrow is going number one to the Bengals, but I kind of like the Chargers better <laughs> as a landing spot. Uh, and if these guys are going to be, uh, you know, drafted similarly in the top 10 there, then I could see a, a situation where, where Herbert leaps frogs Burrow for me. So with along with Herbert, there were plenty of anal- analysts out there that were uh, taking a look at Jalen Hurts and Jacob Eason and Jordan Love, these guys as a group, they're they're a tier below Herbert for sure, at, at least in most of these guys' case. Hurts helped himself. He threw well. He was athletic. He, he moved up for sure in my mind. Uh, Eason showed off that powerful arm. He was, he was accurate as well. And then there were some out there that really liked what Jordan Love did, although it was inconsistent, really struggled to start, and he kind of picked things up at the end. Your thoughts on these guys as a group, Ryan? Anybody we're super excited about? Anybody really, really a winner out of these three guys, Hertz, Eason, and Love? Yeah, I think all three of them are winners as far as from the point that they helped themselves uh, this week in Indy. Uh, Eason and, well, I think Eason is locked into the first round. Again, I think there was some question about that as far as the NFL draft. And obviously that type of draft capital we'll see what the landing spot is but that type of draft capital is going to help his uh his his dynasty value potential first rounder in dynasty superflex rookie drafts hertz is is kind of the wild card of this whole group i think and and it's really just going to come down to landing spot for him Uh, i mean we've seen what these types of quarterbacks can do i don't think he's uh, certainly not a lamar jackson or or a kyler murray type as far as their overall talent and ability, but, uh, but he is in that mold, of course. So, um, it, it's going to be landing spot dependent and, and how quickly do we think he can get on the field to, to help decide, is he, is he a second round rookie pick or is he not even worth a rookie pick at all in, in dynasty leagues? And, and then Jordan Love is, is Another one who really had a lot of buzz. Uh, lots of people were talking about him. I even saw, you guys probably did as well, that the the ESPN guys, uh, Kuyper and McShay, made uh, a significant bet about which quarterback would be drafted first in the NFL draft, Jordan Love or Justin Herbert. So we'll see what happens there, but that at least shows uh, how highly Love is being thought of. And I talked about the conversation that I had maybe four quarterbacks in the top five or at least four quarterbacks in the top 10. And Jordan Love would be in that scenario would be the fourth one of those uh, or, or maybe even the third if, if Todd McShay is correct. I, I did hear some, you know, some negative things about Jordan Love. Talked to, talk to one staffer who was at the, uh, at the combine and said his team is not interested, worried about uh, Love's overall football knowledge uh, can he read defenses? He really, really had a lot of success that um, year before last. So a lot of success in 2018 when he kind of put his name on the map uh, as far as dynasty players go. That was evidently a, a really quarterback-friendly system. This year, new coaching staff, they asked him to, to do some uh, traditional things just as far as reading the defense, and, and that's when he struggled. And, and we knew he had lost some value in fact, he, he almost wasn't even in this draft. He talked about maybe transferring instead of coming out in the draft. So uh, some some good and bad for Jordan Love. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we'll see how the rest of this offseason plays out for these guys that are a little bit lower in the draft. And, and maybe Love 
you know, we shouldn't lump him in as, as it seems like the, the league as a whole sees him as a top 15 type guy. I've never quite been sold sold on that myself. And, and those notes that you had from your time in Indianapolis, Ryan, that tr- certainly raise a red flag. Let's move on to the running backs, the winners at running back. And we're going to start at the top. Once again, Jonathan Taylor, he put on a show. Fastest running back in Indianapolis with a 4.3940. He's a 226-pounder running like that. Uh, really look good as a pass catcher, prototypical guy as far as height, weight, and speed. He's got all the durability, uh, all the production in college. There were a lot, I would say most, in the dynasty ranking community that had DeAndre Swift as the top running back in the class. Did he do enough, even with Swift posting that four four eight forty and and having that great workout as well? Did Taylor do enough to leapfrog Swift? At least in some people's eyes, right? I think he did enough in most people's eyes. And in fact, I think this was kind of trending this way, at least in the dynasty community, even before the combine. There was lots of conversation, uh, at least on Twitter or on the DLF message board about Taylor. And he seemed to be kind of gaining gaining uh, steam, gaining closing the gap, I guess I should say, on, on Swift already. Uh, I look at our... Uh, rookie mock drafts that we do at DLF in February. We did 10 rookie mocks. DeAndre Swift was the 101 in nine of those. So not quite consensus, but very, very close. Uh, Jonathan Taylor was the 101 in in the 10th of those. Now we're just starting those for this month, of course. And through 10 drafts, it's it's flipped. Taylor is the 101 in nine of them. So again, Taylor has has certainly overtaken Swift from uh, from that standpoint, and uh, like you said, we knew he would be fast. We knew he would perform well, and uh, I, I think it, it he just really wowed you know all of us with that performance. And uh, we we saw the the grouping of him with Saquon Barkley as the only two running backs to run under four four at at that size. So that's that's pretty good company to be in. Pretty good company indeed. Uh, I, I feel like he's the 101. I, I felt that earlier as well and, and really felt like Swift was a 101B. You know, and, and maybe it's still that way because Swift, his workout was just as good, really. I, I know he he was almost a tenth of a second slower, but still a 448. He's a smaller package, a 58212. But his workout looked so smooth, guys. He looked like it was effortless out there for him. Um, certainly didn't hurt his own stock. If anything, it was all just about Taylor really confirming everything that he looked like on TV when you watch him. Then when that translated to that four three nine forty and all the power that he shows and, and the the what he did proving himself as a pass catcher in his final year at Wisconsin, it's more about Taylor making the jump, not Swift falling down. So maybe maybe you just feel better about the one oh two than you did did just a week ago because you're you're going to end up with a great running back with either one of these guys. Matt, what are your thoughts on the, on this twosome at the top on the running back board or the running back board? Yeah, I I can't I can't go there. <laughs> Look, I just think we're and, and it's obviously exciting to see a guy this big run that fast, but I just I just I just don't think he is a current generation NFL running back he he looked fine as a pass catcher as you noted Dan but to me he does not look natural doing that and I want somebody who's going to be a natural receiver and Swift is definitely that you mentioned his effortless workout uh you know obviously the size is uh he's he's that more smaller compact guy than than uh Jonathan Taylor is uh Taylor's got 14 pounds on him but I want the receiving back so Swift is still number one for me uh and in fact if I have 101 now I'm happy to trade back a pick or two because uh, everyone is going to hate this, I'm sure, but Taylor isn't even my running back two. He, I have him down at running back three. Uh, this is a guy we'll talk about a little bit later that I think I still like a little bit better than Taylor. I just don't see him as somebody, unless he lands in like the the absolute perfect running spot, you know, like a Derrick Henry style offense, then I just don't see Taylor being 
what we want for fantasy. I want running backs that catch passes, and I think that you know Taylor can do that, but he is not the guy that's going to s- split out wide as a receiver. And we, I guess we did see players like uh, uh, Leonard Fournette do that sometimes this year, so it, it can be a thing. But I just I want the ones that I know that I am a receiver right at the top of that list. So Jonathan Taylor, obviously very impressive, probably the best pure running back in this class, just just basically in terms of a runner. But for fantasy purposes, he's he's not the one that I want at 101. Yeah, we have a we have a lot of time to iron this out as we talk more about the combine and as, as we get into these these pro day workouts and all that. Uh, we'll have some mock drafts where we can iron iron things out as well, Matt. Let's talk about that guy that you have at one hundred and two. Talk talk to me about what you like so much about him. I just think we saw it. I think we saw you know I guess not quite as impressive you know forty time as as Taylor, but you know. Four three nine four four seven. They're both four, under four fives, which is you know kind of what you want to see at the rim. Even like the mid four fives is fine for for guys of this size. But Acres, he does look like that natural pass catcher to me. Uh, we've seen that. I, I really think that we've seen that he can be a three down back, going all the way back to high school. You know, uh, five star recruit coming out. Uh, just 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 someone who is very impressive to me. And and we've talked about it all all off season how he's played behind this terrible offensive line. And I know that's you know we, we're making excuses that way for him some in some ways. But to see the guy's footwork out there running uh, uh, those those kind of drills, like it was, he's just a very impressive player to me. And th- the difference between him and Taylor for me, honestly, like I said, is the pass catching. So uh, he's a he's a legit three down back, and I, and I want him more than Taylor at this point. Yeah, I can't deny Acres certainly looked looked really good as well. You mentioned the four four seven, and and he was smooth as a pass catcher. Um, I, you're probably right. He probably proved what what a lot of us already thought that he could be that three down guy. I don't think that takes away from any of the other two. Swift Taylor, they're they're three down guys in my opinion as well. It's it's not too bad of a problem to have to have a high pick in this year's draft because when you need one of these running backs, you're going to come out with a pretty good one. Let's move on to some guys a little farther down the the draft board, maybe at the running back position. Guys that helped themselves this week. AJ Dillon Ryan, six foot two forty seven, ran a four three or excuse me a four five three forty, had a forty one inch vertical as well. Looks like an athletic guy. Matt, you have those questions about those guys who can't pet, pet, catch passes or, or at least haven't done that. He's not one of those guys. And then Darrington Evans out of Appalachian State, a four four one forty. He's five ten two oh three. He was quick. Looked really good in space in those drills. Uh, good in pass catching drills. Really moved up a lot of draft boards for dynasty owners everywhere. I think he's going to be one of those guys that that could really shoot up. And if you're in those PPR leagues and you want that guy that's going to get those opportunities as a pass catcher, Evans, if he lands in the right spot in the draft, Ryan could make a big move and, and be one of those guys that we really want to target either in the late first or early sec, early to mid second, wherever wherever things kind of shake out. He's a guy that we all need to know about. Yeah, for sure. One of the great things about the combine every year, uh, for me at least, is it gives me that list of, uh, of players I want to go back and try to uh, learn more about, watch more of, and Darrington Evans is is definitely one of those. Um, Obviously knew knew the name coming in, but had not seen him play very much, and 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 really still haven't. So he's one I want to go back and uh, look at some more. But he did impress this past week for sure. I can definitely see him gaining some value both in the NFL draft and in rookie drafts. I I don't know if he could get that uh, get up to that first round range that you hinted at. I think that would that would be a huge jump. Basically was was off the radar maybe. Uh, maybe like a fourth round rookie guy coming in. So uh, firmly in the third round for, for sure now and, and some, some room to grow still. I, I think probably firmly in the second round, if you, if you ask me, I was one of those guys that immediately, when you see those numbers, you go turn on the tape and see what you missed or, or see what you haven't seen yet. I don't think there's a lot of us. Uh, maybe there, maybe there's an App State fan at DLF, but a lot of us hadn't seen him before, and he looks explosive. He's the best player on the field when, whenever Appalachian State got on the field, and kind of profiles as that third down guy, pass catcher, change of pace type guy, guy that you want in space and on the perimeter. Maybe like a 
like a Duke Johnson or, or something like that. And if he is able to get a little bigger role than that, Terry Cohen kind of comes to mind as well. If, if he's able to get more than that, he could really move up. I moved him all the way up into the top 10 at running back, right above A.J. Dillon, right behind Anthony McFarlane. And what you alluded to there, Ryan, there's room to grow there, I think. We're, I'm going to be I'm eagerly awaiting his pro day. Can't wait to hear where people have him mocked and if, if he starts moving up NFL mock drafts. If those things happen, Darrington Evans could make that kind of move. I, you know, Maybe that's a little bit pie in the sky saying could be a late first or even an early second, but he's certainly a guy to watch as a, as a mover moving up draft boards in the coming weeks. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, you mentioned Duke Johnson and uh, Tariq Cohen there. I, th- I think he's kind of in between that. He's, he's much bigger than Cohen. Uh, Naheem Hines is kind of the player I was thinking about. But again... Yeah, again, I want to go back and and see some more of him. Gaining value, um, for sure. A.J. Dillon, he's going to be a tough one. I I think many people expected him to perform well at the Combine, and uh, just looking at this early ADP data, it it does look like that that strong uh, strong week has helped him. He's moved up into uh, the second-round range of most of these mocks. He even went in the first round of one of them. To me, that's still very rich. As we've already talked about, he's not going to catch passes. He's big and strong, and he's fast in the open field, but he's he's not really going to break many tackles either. Uh, it's just tough to honestly see him being able to to take all of that athleticism that that he showed and actually use it on the field. So uh, even with that with that performance, it doesn't change his value much, in my opinion. Agreed completely. Uh, Let's move on to some wide receivers here, guys. And I I think most of us that rank these rookie wide receivers have a trio at the top that kind of got lumped together. And and whether you're a C.D. Lamb guy or a Jerry Judy guy, maybe you're a Henry Ruggs guy. And I don't know if that flip-flopped a lot for a lot of owners or a lot of of guys that do these rankings, fellas, just because they were all as advertised, really. Uh, Lamb, great measurement, 6'2", 198". Uh, four five flat forty time, which some people were hoping that he'd be in the lower four fours, but but you know that's that's a good number for a guy that's six two and one ninety eight. His gauntlet, another guy, effortless, looks so smooth catching the ball. Uh, never broke stride, never slowed down for a pass. Uh, immediately moved on to the next target, the next ball, and and just easily the best gauntlet of the entire week in Indianapolis. That highlight reel catch. On that end zone fade drill, that was sick. That's the kind of thing that these these GMs are looking for. That's the kind of thing that dynasty owners are looking for as well. The guy that can go get it, go catch it in the back of the end zone, and and get those six point plays for for dynasty owners. Jerry Judy four 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 excuse me four four five forty yard dash six one one ninety three really soft hands looked really good in the gauntlet as well. And then Henry Ruggs blazed that 427 and then was disappointed in it what the heck that guy he his feet were on fire that was awesome 42 inch vertical did have the little injury and wasn't able to compete in the rest of it but I don't think there's a dynasty owner in the world that watched that and said oh disappointing 427 is blazing so these guys at the top any changes for any of us uh there's still a group for me they're still really close I, I prefer lamb slightly your guys's thoughts yeah, I guess the first thing that comes to my mind is I I don't think Henry Ruggs is really in that group of three, at least when it comes to consensus. I think the group for most people is is the top two of, of Lamb and Judy. And of course, those can be flip-flopped depending on who you ask. So I, I, to me, Ruggs is, is in that second tier. If, if you want to talk about consensus or ADP or overall ranks, whatever, however you want to look at it. I think Ruggs is there. A couple of the guys we didn't see this week could be there, or at least one of them and T Higgins. The player that I think moved into that group is, is one I know we'll get to Denzel Mims. We'll, we'll talk more about him in a moment. Uh, and then Jalen Rager is also kind of in that second tier. So I think there's an argument to be made for, Certainly Ruggs is the wide receiver three, but I don't think he's got that locked down. It, it could be Higgins. It could be Mims. Uh, maybe it's even LaVisca Chenault, even, even with some bad news for him. Um, so I, I think after the top two, it's pretty wide open. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with Ryan. I don't think anything really changed here. 
you know, they both showed that they're, they both basically confirmed that what we all thought they were. They're both pretty fast. They're both really good catchers of the ball. Neither of them were going to hit 200 pounds. You know, CD lamb got, got close. Um, so that's, that's a, a plus in his category, I guess, but for the most part, we're just confirming what we already knew with these top two, you know, the, the, the next tier is just, just seems so big. Uh, I really wish T Higgins had been a part of this, but uh, you know, he disappointed us a little bit. Um, so I guess we could put him in the loser category just from that regards, because it feels like he should have, should have showed us what he could do. Um, really had a chance to really jump into maybe that top tier. And like Ryan said, rugs for me is, is at least a tier down uh, super fast, obviously, but uh, John Ross also pretty fast, and we know how that worked out. Yeah, so it, either way, no matter which side of the fence you really land on, there's man, there was some talent on 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 the on that field in Indianapolis, uh, and, and Ruggs blazing that four two seven. Man, my eyes popped out of my head. I thought, holy cow, he 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 made a big impression on me. I bumped him up because of it and really love that 42 inch vertical as well. That's those are the kind of guys, those freaks that, that can make those plays. So maybe I put too much into it. We'll see over the next coming, coming weeks and months. Let's talk a little bit about that guy that made the jump into that second tier, Ryan Denzel Mims. Of course he had the great senior bowl was, was the kind of the talk of the town down there. And that translated he, but, but the thing about the Senior Bowl is that was a lot of possession work underneath and, and inter, short to intermediate work, uh, but looked really good. Looked like that possession receiver. Then he got to the combine and added something else to his game. I don't think anybody expected a 4-3-8. Uh, the 6-6-6, three cone, and 131-inch broad, inch broad jump. Wow, he caught the ball really well. Um, seems like a playmaker with big size, 6-3, 207 really making a huge move up these draft boards and and a guy that you know has slowly crept up for me and then watching that I immediately went back get to YouTube get to DLF uh watch these clips and and watch Mims on the field and and then you slowly start seeing some of the things that he showed in Indianapolis Ryan yeah I think of of all these fantasy relevant players from these four positions I feel like Mims probably had the best combine combine of any of them the one that that helped himself the most. And you laid it out there. It started with the senior bowl a few weeks ago, really strong performance there. In fact, I I talked with our own Jeff Haverlack, who was with me at the combine. And, and he said he's been studying Mems. He loved his tape uh, at Baylor. And he said, honestly, the only question I had coming away from, from watching some, some of of the film was his long speed. And of course that question was answered uh, in Indy this weekend. So Mims is, is a player who has definitely moved up. I think he was 2.12, 24 overall in our February rookie ADP. Uh, and, and again, we're in the middle of collecting that or actually just starting to collect that with some early data. Looks like he's a player that could have jumped a full round and being grabbed in the late first round of, of these dynasty rookie mock drafts. And I also heard, I heard him being talked about as a first rounder in the NFL draft as well. So big, big jump for him, both in the NFL and in dynasty leagues. Yeah. I mean, like, like you said, he answered all those athleticism questions. Uh, the film is fantastic. And I mean, I, I can see him. It, it's obviously landing spot, landing spot for me. I don't know about you guys is, is, maybe the biggest factor in all of these guys, the ones that test out, you know, fine athletically. Uh, so depending on landing spot, depending on draft capital, I can see Mims definitely being in that late first round of rookie drafts and, you know, ahead of guys like, uh, like Henry Ruggs for, to be honest, for, for someone like me who wants that more complete receiver. So very excited to see what, where, where Mims goes in the NFL draft uh, and where he lands in which offense he goes to. I thought the same thing, Matt, and there were so many receivers that made an impression. Uh, I'll open up the floor to you guys, but but I wrote, I took some notes as I was watching. Some guys uh, I was excited to watch and really came through for me, guys like John Hightower, who I've been a fan of since I started watching his tape at Boise State, and then some other guys like Quez Watkins from Southern Miss, who honestly I, did, I didn't know who he was before he ran that four three five forty and and looked so quick in all those drills and so smooth catching the ball moved into my rankings for sure a guy I'm excited about and really looking forward to learning more about Clay or excuse me Chase Claypool from Notre Dame 6'4 235 so strong had 20 reps on the bench sub 4'4 
sub four four five forty. The only other player that big to run that is Kelvin Johnson. People talking about him as a tight end, others as a move guy that can play inside and outside. Chase Claypool did a lot for himself. I was impressed with that. Another guy I wasn't really that that uh, familiar with beforehand. Aaron Fuller of Washington. Great pass catcher with with really good hands. He's relatively small at 5'11", 188, and, and wasn't really that fast at a 45940, but has really good tape and became a late round sleeper because he caught the ball so darn well. Soft hands. So Aaron Fuller, a guy that's at least on my radar. Ryan, among these guys, maybe somebody else, whether it's Hightower or Fuller or Watkins or Claypool or anybody else, any other wide receivers worth mentioning as winners from Indianapolis? Yeah, definitely impressed by all four of those guys you mentioned. I have watched quite a bit of Claypool and and was really surprised uh, at some of his numbers, not only because of the tight end talk, but uh, he's another player that it just didn't feel like uh, some of those those numbers were expected after watching – uh, Notre Dame games. The other three are definitely on my list to go back and, and catch up on, learn a little bit more about. The other player that you didn't mention that uh, I also think was a big winner was Antonio Gibson, the Memphis running back slash wide receiver. It, I guess we're we're really not sure exactly how he's going to be used. He did work out with the wide receivers. He's he's listed as a wide receiver on my fantasy league for for reference there. Uh, but a big guy over six feet, uh, two twenty eight, I think, and ran a four three nine. Super productive. I know a lot of people talked about this. I think he had, I think the number I saw was seventy one touches and nine touchdowns uh, this past season. So didn't get used nearly as much as. Uh, maybe we would expect from from a player like this who's who's now being viewed as a second or third round rookie pick, uh, but uh, certainly made the most of those touches. Yeah, I like him as an addition for sure. We are a little bit behind, so we need to we need to burn through the rest of this stuff, guys. Tight end, the last the last category for winners, Harrison Bryant from Florida Atlantic. He was athletic. Fast four seven three forty had a seven four one three cone looked good in all the drills probably looked like the most athletic and, and best move tight end out there. Uh, Adam Troutman from Dayton also posted some really nice numbers uh, in testing with a four eight flat forty and a six seven eight three cone which is which is pretty darn good for a tight end especially. And then Albert, oh boy. Okue Boonam. Yeah, that's how I have to say it. I got to slow it down a little bit. 6'5", 258, a guy a lot of us that play in these uh, Debbie leagues, Ryan, have been excited about Albert O for a while. 6'5", 258, 4'4", 940, though. That was impressive for sure. Big guy, uh, big target, and he's going to be moving up draft boards for Dynasty owners as well. The position as a whole, tight end, who moved up for you guys? Yeah, I think I think it's got to be Alberto, and uh, as as you mentioned, he is a player that uh, if you play Devi or if you really get into the NFL draft uh, two or three years out, you you certainly have been aware of him. Had a strong early part of his career, and and then really struggled for Missouri this past season, especially, and and the entire Missouri team struggled. So maybe uh, maybe we can just blame that. But I don't think anybody expected that type of speed from him. He he did well overall in the drills that that he took part in. So I think he he once again has a at least a claim to be the tight end one in this class. But honestly, there's probably four or five guys that that could do the same, including uh, Harrison Bryan, including Adam Troutman, including uh, Bryson Hopkins as well, who, who also performed well. So the, the tight end position, I think the good thing is there's some really nice depth to it. Uh, none of those guys are Noah Fant or TJ Hawkinson that we're going to consider early in the, in rookie drafts. Instead, you're going to be able to get most of these guys uh, in the third round. And, and that's where you want to take shots on them. Yeah, and we as a as a podcast, I think I can speak for all three of us. We've always been in favor of taking those shots late in drafts in the on these tight ends, especially when you have time and the space to let those guys uh, mature at the position. Uh, before we move on to the losers, or gosh, that that seems a little bit harsh. The the guys who underperformed, I guess, in Indianapolis. We should mention our friends over at dynastyowner.com. Hey guys, do you think you are smarter than an NFL GM? Do you think you're the best at fantasy football? Well, here's your chance to prove it. Dynasty Owner 
is the only patented fantasy sports game using actual NFL salaries and contracts. You manage your team from all levels, owner to general manager to coach. Dynasty Owner is for smart, elite fantasy football players. There is no offseason in Dynasty Owner. The rookie draft matters, free agency matters, every contract matters. Come to a startup draft in 2020 using actual NFL player contracts and salaries. Then improve your team each season with a three-round rookie draft and by trading players and draft picks. Win weekly prizes, seasonal prizes, and compete in the chase for the rim. The the mobile app is in development and it is going to be ready to download on iOS and Android in time for rookie drafts this May. Mock drafts are open now on desktop and mobile browsers. To learn more and mock draft for free, go to www.dynastyowner.com. Let's talk about some of these guys that that maybe raised some red flags or that were just just not sure about after either a performance in Indianapolis or or a lack of performance in Indianapolis. We I was going through the quarterbacks guys and and the guy that disappointed me as I watched things, Jake Fromm. Not nearly as accurate as Herbert when he was throwing uh, multiple poor throws, wobbly throws, didn't look confident making those passes um, throughout those drills. Fromm was never a guy that people were considering as an elite dynasty prospect, but for those of us in super flex and two quarterback leagues, Ryan, Fromm didn't help himself. He really didn't. It's it's funny. Jeff and I were watching some of these drills from, again, from the stands on uh, on Thursday evening and we were focused mainly on the wide receivers, watching their their routes, uh, and and of course just watching if they were able to hang on to the ball. And it, it seemed like every once in a while you would just get a really poorly thrown ball, underthrown, off target, whatever the case. And every time we said, "Who threw that?" And almost every time, it was Jake Fromm that threw that. Uh, so that that was a disappointment. That was definitely something that that stuck with me as well. So. Uh, we talked about Love and, and Herbert and the other guys who definitely helped themselves, and uh, it, it seems like there's even more separation between them and Fromm now. And it's really only a disappointment because he was that big recruit, and he's a guy like, as as Debbie guys, he's been on the radar for a long time. There were high expectations. Guys who invested a lot in Jake Fromm early in his college career, are, it doesn't appear like you're going to get a whole lot out of it a backup caliber quarterback perhaps even, which is disappointing for sure. How about a running back guys? Let's, let's go through this gingerly because the more coverage I watched, the more people I saw mentioning Clyde Edwards Hilaire as the loser at running back from Indianapolis. And that's all tied of course, to the four, six that he ran. Uh, people expect him to expected him to be faster. And he, and he just really wasn't. You turn on the film, he looks explosive. He looks like a guy that you want to get in space with the football. But that 5'7", 207-pound tailback didn't move quite as fast as we expected in Indianapolis. Still posted the 39.5-inch vertical. Ryan, are you worried about Cl- Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and his dynasty stock moving no, forward? No, no, not at all, honestly. And I don't know, maybe, maybe some did expect him to be a, a lot faster than this. I really didn't. Um, four six, and I think his second was four six, uh, four six two or four six three. That that's about what I expected. He he's a playmaker certainly, but I don't think he's he's ever sh- really shown off the speed that that Taylor or or Swift or some of these other guys have. So, um, as a guy that is probably going to be a second rounder in, in the NFL draft, probably a mid first rounder in dynasty rookie drafts, I'm still comfortable with that. Matt, this is probably just a bump in the road, right? Yeah, I mean, we have Devin Singletary last year, about the same size, 5'7", 203, actually a little bit lighter, and he ran a 4.66, and he's he, he's fine. He's a starting NFL running back. Uh, so I'm not worried at all about Alara. You mentioned the, the vertical time there, or the vertical – uh, height there, just an inch and a half off the leader for the for this class, so about t- tied for third basically in that category. Broad also, broad jump. He also showed out well. I think ninth in the class there. It would have been nice to see him run a three cone. It would have been nice to see him to see, run that short shuttle. But I, he's still a 
top four to five running back in this class pretty easily. And and honestly, with his pass catching ability, I wouldn't be upset with with, with anyone that said he was a, a top two or three uh, at the position here. So no disappointment at all from me. Uh, I guess you could call him a loser if you thought he was going to run faster than that, but it, it, he's he's well within the range of of being a successful running back in the NFL. Yeah, and like you guys said, he he's not about long speed. He's about quickness in in small areas. That spin move, that that change of pace that he has uh, to to move in and out of running lanes. That that's not measured in a forty yard dash. I don't think we're we're too worried about it. Although the community as a whole, it felt like maybe over exaggerated it just a little bit. Any other running backs we need to talk about here? Uh, just again, like with T Higgins, uh, it would have been nice to see JK Dobbins do something right. <laughs> you know, I don't think it's going to change his draft stock any He's still a cut above, uh, the rest after that t- top tier, the top five or so. Um, but again, would have been nice to see him do something. Hopefully he has, he shows out well in the pro team. I think the only other guy that, that you could mention is, is maybe Zach Moss who was slower than expected. Uh, although he's not not been viewed as a as a burner by any means, but a four seven two in his first attempt uh, was was pretty rough. Yeah, pretty rough indeed. I was going to mention him. I'm I'm not as I'm not worried about Dobbins or anything like that. Like you said, Matt, disappointing. Just excited to see these these big time athletes. What he put on film at Ohio State, it looks like it's going to translate to the NFL, and and he maybe could have helped himself. Uh, and you always wonder when these guys don't perform, is that because they were gonna, they weren't gonna run what people expected? Ugh, disappointing. Another disappointment from Indianapolis, one of my favorite receivers in the class. I've spent so much time watching, watching Colorado because of LaVisca Chenault Jr. He's an exciting player. He has all the size, 6'1", 227. He can play inside and outside. Uh, lots of things to be excited about, but he only ran the 140, 4.58. Didn't participate in the combine after that. Um, you mentioned that tier, Ryan, that, that second tier of wide receivers, how there's a group of guys there, and Chenault was really one of my favorites out of that group of even Higgins and Rager and and Justin Jefferson, and now Denzel Mims is in there. Brandon Ayuk is an exciting player that people people can get excited about as well. But when I watch these guys, Chenault was the guy that really jumped off. Now, injury concerns are a big problem here. And it's not just about what happened in Indianapolis with this brand new core muscle injury. That's going to keep him out four to six weeks. It, this, this goes back quite a ways. So how concerned should we be with Chenault and his NFL future? If you're investing a rookie draft pick in a player like him right now, I'm pretty concerned. I, I mentioned this on Twitter yesterday over the past just over a year basically over the past 15 months uh counting the surgery that he's about to undergo or or maybe just did uh he's he's had three surgeries a core muscle surgery toe surgery shoulder surgery plus the injury that we heard just prior to the combine which was uh pubic bone inflammation uh that one does not sound fun um ouch yeah yeah so in just over a year, we've got three major injuries or, or three major procedures for LaVisca Chenault. I love the talent. I'm just like you, Dan. Uh, everything, basically everything we've seen on the field is good for Chenault. He's a player that has been projected as a first-round NFL draft pick uh, basically for the past year almost. Uh, and, and now I'm worried that's not going to be the case. If that's not the case, he's, he's a guy who we could see fall to the early second round. So do I want to invest that pick on him? I don't feel great about spending a top 12 pick on him right now, not in this class. But if he falls to the second, that becomes a lot easier. Yeah, it becomes a lot easier. I think the thing that it it does is it becomes that tiebreaker in that close tier. And suddenly he's, maybe even for guys like me who thought he was at the top of that tier, he might be forced down to the bottom of the tier, which could force him into the second round. Uh, because th- those other guys just don't have that same question mark, that that same uh, bright red exclamation point next to their name and the I next to their name on, on MFL. It, that seems like it's a big part of his future when you're setting lineups going forward. Matt, you mentioned T. Higgins earlier. Maybe we need to mention him here. Uh, we threw him in as well. We should move on to tight ends, though. You know, really, it felt like 
when I was putting this agenda together for our show that I was really searching for for a loser at tight end until I talked to you right before the podcast, Ryan. You mentioned one tight end that that we were both relatively high on. We 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 thought maybe could even contend for number one tight end in the class. Who's that, and what what's the concern there? Yeah, that's that's Thaddeus Moss, who I was uh, admittedly way too high on entering the combine. I uh, talked earlier when we were talking about the combine winners that the the class is so deep, and you can make a case for for multiple guys as the tight end one. Entering last week, I had Thaddeus Moss as my tight end one. And uh, was really excited about seeing him perform. That didn't happen. He he did nothing at the combine. Initially, that was reported as uh, he just wanted to rest after a long and successful season. We found out that was not the case. That actually he has a Jones fracture in his foot, and he'll likely be out the next eight weeks or so. Actually, that's also the case for uh, Van Jefferson, the the Florida wide receiver. So both of those guys. Jones fractures in their in their foot out two months and it's a it's a big deal for Moss uh, and honestly I'm not sure if he even gets drafted I wouldn't be shocked if he if he went totally uh, if he went undrafted in the uh, NFL draft which could be a, a just a monumental drop for a guy that you know I I don't think we were on an island the two of us that were excited about Thaddeus Moss and his upside in the NFL that that appears to be dwindling at best. A couple other guys I did write down. Jared Pinckney was a sleeper guy, a guy that p- some people were excited about. I watched some film on him, and there there was some things on film that that cause you to think that maybe he could be an NFL tight end, make an impact for dynasty owners down the road. It did not happen. He had a he had a rough rough couple of days. Slowest forty time among tight ends at four nine six. Had trouble catching passes. They were bouncing all over him. Uh, low end sleeper, like I said, probably off off a dynasty draft boards right now. And then Mitchell Wilcox, another guy that had gained a little bit of buzz, I guess he couldn't catch the ball, but I guess he took one, you know, he took the one off the face that was early in the workout, popped a blood vessel in his eye that probably affected the rest of the workout. He's probably off dynasty draft boards right now, unless something drastic changes as well. Again, with the tight end class, like you said, Ryan, there's there's a lot of talent here, uh, maybe not the high end talent, but there's guys worth taking a flyer on. Felt like I was being a little bit too picky trying to find somebody to add to the loser list. There are, there were a lot of winners as well. We we mentioned a couple of them. Cole Komet looked at athletic as well. He's a guy that that is moving up draft boards or at least holding holding his spot. Uh, the the tight end position is an odd one. It doesn't have that top end. Uh, uh, player that we can invest a first round rookie pick in or anything, but the, but it certainly is deep with that. That's going to do it for, unless you guys have any other players that we want to talk about, that'll do it for this week's edition of the DLF dynasty podcast. We covered a lot of players. We shoved as much as we could into about 50 or 55 minutes, but there's a lot more to cover. As I said, Earlier in the show, we're going to get a little more in-depth with all this stuff. We're going to start breaking things down position by position, going through our rankings. We'll, we'll start doing regular mock drafts uh, and, and really break down what we're going to do in these, these drafts moving forward in the coming weeks. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week.